Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the Lakers offseason live show. We get to talk Lakers basketball, even though they're not in season right now. We've got plenty to talk about because we have the NBA draft a few weeks away. And then right after that, free agency starts up. We're going to find out the fate of a lot of players. Some guys who were Lakers last season, some new guys coming in. Plenty of things to dive into. Plus, of course, we've got the NBA finals starting up as well so we'll chat a bit uh, about that if you are joining us from youtube facebook periscope welcome in throw us your questions and comments we'll be going through all of those if you're listening to the podcast version of this go run apple podcast make sure you do rate review and subscribe all right joining me tonight we've got ron gutterman from lakersnation.com ron how are you doing man doing good you know there's there's not a game tonight uh pretty relaxing uh night right before the finals begin tomorrow and uh yeah a lot of a lot of stuff to come you know it feels really weird that there's not a game like the the pace of the games has slowed down so much for a while there i was getting used to every single night there's an ex- there's a game on and it wasn't even just a game it was mostly an exciting game there were a few blowouts sprinkled in look i know a lot of people are disappointed certainly lakers fans right i'm, I'm in this boat with the fact that all the stars are gone Right? I mean, pretty for the most part, okay, Giannis, maybe he comes back and plays Chris Paul. Of course, yeah, those guys are stars. But in terms of, like, the big guns, LeBron, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Anthony Davis, right, all, all the main guys got knocked out of the playoffs early, and a lot of them went down due to injury. And so there's been a lot of disappointment in the playoffs because of that. And I fully get it. But the games that we've seen, for the most part, have been really entertaining. So I'm very much noticing that like there's no basketball on right now. I'll tell you how bad it is, Ron. I had to watch The Bachelorette tonight. I had no way to get out of it. My wife's like, "Well, there's no basketball game on." And so that's that was I was what I was subjected to. Yeah, you know, that's that's not ideal, um especially when the alternative could have been basketball, but you know, I guess you just got to survive these nights and and you'll be rewarded with good basketball hopefully with a with a great NBA finals. Well, let's hope so. Uh, let, let's talk about that real quick. So, Bucks, Suns, latest news just came out about a half hour ago is that Giannis Antetokounmpo is listed as doubtful. Game one, who's your pick for this series? Is it, I guess first, who do you think is going to win and who do you want to win? Well, I'm definitely rooting for the Bucks here. Um, I, I think Giannis is, Giannis is one of my favorite players in the league outside of a Lakers uniform. Um I really hope to see him succeed. I like Chris Middleton. I like Drew Holiday. There's really nothing unlikable about that Bucks team. Whereas the Suns, you know, even though they're very likable, there's certain characters, i.e. Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, that maybe aren't so desirable to win a championship. I think I think the Bucks are who I'm rooting for. But if Giannis isn't healthy, the Suns have a very good chance of winning this. If Giannis is healthy, I do have the Bucks winning, you know, five, six games. I think it's, I think they are the better team if Giannis is healthy, but it's such a big if right now. We really don't know. Yeah, I agree. I said the same thing. I said, if Giannis plays Bucks and six, if Giannis does not play, it's Suns and six. That's, that's the way I look at it. And, and I agree. If I had a preference, I'd probably say Bucks. But from my perspective, as soon as the Clippers got eliminated, it was a stress-free NBA finals for me because it doesn't matter. If it's the Bucks, if it's the Suns, Probably rather see the Bucks win it, but not going to be losing sleep if it's the Suns. Yeah, me neither. It's it's just one of those things. 
it's nice to have a rooting interest, but it's also nice to just sit back and enjoy good basketball and not worry too much about, you know, oh, this team needs to win or I'm going to be destroyed. Now, our colleague, Matt the Optimist Peralta, his dreams are going to be haunted by Jay Crowder if he has to see Jay Crowder hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy. So that that's a different story. We know he is completely behind the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, look, Jay Crowder hoisting the Larry O'Brien, not my favorite image, not the best thing that I want to see, but I'll, I'll survive, you know, if that if that ends up being the case. Yeah, yeah. Not ideal, but uh, I will certainly vibe that as well. All right, let's get into some of the questions and comments here. <laughs> Andrew Alameda. So I had a lot of people on here responding to the fact that I had to watch The Bachelorette, and people were kind of giving me grief about that. Uh, and maybe rightfully so, but on YouTube, Andrew Almeida said, when you boys have a wife, you will understand. Yeah, so I have this this deal, right? Because I watch, obviously, ridiculous amounts of basketball. And it's as long as I sit and I watch some of her shows with her and The Bachelor, and Bachelorette is, is, falls under that category, I can watch basketball as I want. I feel like it's a pretty good trade-off because there's basketball on most of the year, and so it works out. So I don't have a problem with it, but... It doesn't make it that much more fun to watch those those things. But again, I'll take the trade-off. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk about this. I've got people throwing in all kinds of funny comments about that. So, the Lakers. Right now, before we get into like free agency trades and all that, we're starting to see workout videos. Like A lot of the guys have gone on vacation, and now they've come back. And now they're starting to get ready. So we're starting to see some workout videos. We've seen Taylor Horton Tucker. We saw him working out with Phil Handy. We saw him working out with Lethal Shooter. He is he looks phenomenal, by the way, in terms of his physical conditioning. He looks like he's in even better shape than he was during the regular season. That's exciting. Uh, Alex Caruso, hashtag free Caruso. He's chilling someplace tropical right now, and I don't blame him for that one. Uh, but Dennis Schroeder. Back at the Lakers practice facility, putting in work, and he happens to, and this was on his YouTube channel, he ran into Anthony Davis there, who said he needed the time off to recover, but now he's back working out every single day. These are the kinds of things that get me excited. Like, can we just, like, I want to get to free agency and all that, because I love that time period, but after that, let's skip over the gap. Just fast forward from, like, mid-August all the way to October, so we can just start the season. Yeah, I mean, and this this falls right into what Anthony Davis said when the when the season ended. He said he was going to take a month off, not do anything of any kind, and then he was going to start his regular off-season training regimen and so here he is. He seems to be back, seems to be healthy. That's really really exciting because you know, his his health was kind of the thing that ended the Lakers season. So, him being healthy is a great thing. Dennis being there, you know, it some people may come to their own conclusions from that, but I just think it's it's two teammates working out together. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the other thing. So I see this all the time, where people see a player at a certain facility and they assume, oh my gosh, that player is going there. That's the thing. Um, and it just so happens that a lot of NBA athletes time in Los Angeles, so they see them at a facility in LA, maybe the Lakers practice facility, and they just assume, oh, this means... That guy is going to that team. That's not the way it works. The way it actually works around the NBA, and it's it's really cool. I think this is a fantastic program, the way it's set up. In the offseason, the players can use whatever facility they want. So if you are in, say you're visiting, like Anthony Davis talked about going back and visiting 
family in Chicago. He wants to go get a workout in. He can use the Bulls facility. That's not a problem. There's no tampering or anything like that because you are in the offseason and guys are going to be at different parts of the country. The NBA, they do this so that players can make sure they're staying in shape and they're staying ready for their season. So that's the way this is set up. So even if Dennis Schroeder, if you're looking at him as, oh man, he's a free agent, he's not a Laker anymore, still in the NBA, he still can use any practice facility. Him using the Lakers facility doesn't necessarily mean anything. Now him wearing a Lakers shirt while doing it, okay, maybe we could say he's looking to return. But just keep that in mind as we start to see reports of so-and-so is working out at this facility, totally normal and does not mean anything in terms of where players are going. Yeah, and it's also important to remember that until August 2nd or August 1st, I believe, uh, Dennis Schroeder is still a contracted member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, The league year does not start over again until August 1st, I believe, is that date. So, you know, Dennis Schroeder is still under contract with the Lakers until August 1st. So him working out at the Lakers facility and then wearing a Lakers shirt, he is on the Lakers at this moment. He is a Lakers, so you can't really turn that down. I've got uh, Renee Vandervelden coming in from YouTube with a super chat said, what's the most realistic trade option for the Lakers, Ben Simmons or Colin Sexton? I mean, I would think just in terms of value, the Lakers, the, the challenge the Lakers are going to have on the trade market this offseason is value, putting out enough value to get something in return. I mean, let's say the best trade package the Lakers can put together is probably what Kuzma, ACP, maybe a signed and traded Taylor Horton Tucker, their 22nd overall pick this year, and the next first-round pick they have access to is the 2027 pick, trade purposes anyway. That's their best-case package. I don't think that's getting you Ben Simmons. It's probably not getting you Colin Sexton either, but I feel like Simmons is going to have more value on the trade market than Sexton will. And we can argue which player is better and, and all of that, but I just think Simmons has a little bit more star power to him. Or am I off there, Ron? Like, has Simmons' value fallen so much that now Colin Sexton will get a larger return on the trade market? No, I, I think I think Ben Simmons still has more value on the trade market than Colin Sexton. There is something to be said about Colin Sexton still being on his rookie deal um, for one more year. So that that's something. But Ben Simmons is still more valuable as a player. I think I think teams recognize that. Um, I yeah, and like you said with the Lakers, that that is their best trade package. What you said there and. If you really think about the the star level players that are going to be available for trade around the league, that package does not get you any of those guys. It's it's simply not enough. Now that can still get you some things on the on the market. There are some guys that you're going to be able to target, and maybe the right piece can give the Lakers a boost. But you're not going to go get Damian Lillard for that. You're certainly not getting Bradley Beal or any of those names that we pop up fairly often. So it's just, you know, we have to temper expectations. The Lakers don't have a ton of assets to spend. They used a lot of them to get Anthony Davis already. Uh, Danny Ramirez from YouTube said, Craig, officially an NBA champ uh, due to playing on the Suns and Bucks. Why is that? Uh, really confused. Uh, and Spencer to the Lakers, what does he bring to LA? So let, let's jump into the Spencer Dinwiddie part about that. So Spencer Dinwiddie, it feels like there's more and more smoke around the idea of him coming to the Lakers, that he wants to be in Los Angeles and specifically that he wants to be a Laker. Now, I think it's safe to say that in order for Spencer Dinwiddie to become a Laker, Dennis Schroeder has to be somewhere else, correct? Yeah, yeah, yes. It makes no sense to employ both of those players. Okay, so you're not bringing in both guys. You're not You're not going to sign Schroeder using his bird rights and then work out a sign and trade for 
for Dinwiddie, you're just not going to do that, particularly on a team that's got LeBron James. So Dinwiddie coming to town, prerequisite is that Dennis Schroeder goes elsewhere. Now, maybe it's a sign-and-trade that would send him somewhere. Again, was at the Lakers facility. That doesn't mean anything. He was wearing Lakers gear. that mean anything? I don't know. But he said he's preparing for next season, that we've got to be better next season. He didn't sound like a guy who was saying, you know, hey, I'm going to be somewhere else next year. But, you know, his actions, I don't know. His actions don't seem like a guy that's as bought in to the Lakers as we would have expected based on what he's done contractually. So we'll see. If Schroeder goes out and Dinwiddie comes in, how do you like that for the Lakers? I I do think Spencer Dinwiddie is a better basketball player than Dennis Schroeder. Um, both of them are not very good from three-point range. Um, Dennis Schroeder is a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, but uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is a little bit craftier. He's a little bit more intelligent of a passer um, and a playmaker in general. He's a little bit bigger, which helps him defensively. Um, Dennis Schroeder is more scrappy defensively, but Spencer Dinwiddie can guard more positions. Um, so I just think Dennis, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie provides a little bit more than Schroeder, but that could also mean he's more expensive than Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, exactly. He could very well wind up being more expensive. Uh, but again, it depends on what he gets out there on the market. There seems to be this idea that a starting point guard should get 20 to $25 million per season. And I think that's a odd concept. And I think there's something that's interesting. You know, if you guys haven't seen this yet, uh, we have started up the NBA front office YouTube channel. Keith Smith and I uh, host shows over there. In fact, we did one today breaking down the free agent center market. We broke it down into tiers so you could see where the value is and where a lot of the depth of the is. I'm After doing that show, I'm not worried about the center position at all. There are plenty of guys out there, the Lakers to grab, including former Lake White Howard is out there as well. Um, but when you're looking at at this market, and you look at the guys who are out there, it's just going to be interesting to see the way the Lakers go with this. Right? I mean, if you're going to bring in a guy like a Spencer Dinwiddie and you're going to trigger a hard cap, that can create some issues for your team moving forward. And I think that's something we have to remember, that if you're going to bring in Dinwiddie, it's going to create a hard cap situation because of the sign and trade. Yeah. I mean, look, I've said this uh, a bunch of times before, and, and we've talked about it a lot. The Lakers are not going to trigger a hard cap for themselves for a second consecutive year unless the reason they're doing it is like next best thing to guaranteeing a championship. So if you believe that Spencer Dinwiddie is the next best thing to guaranteeing a championship, if you believe Dinwiddie, LeBron, and AD is a core that wins a championship, then maybe the hard cap's worth it. I don't know if I'm at that point. I don't know if the late I don't assume the Lakers are at that point, but that that's just the thing you have to think about when you're talking about these free agent point guards outside of Dennis Schroeder is getting almost any of them means taking on that hard cap and which ones are you willing to do that for? Well, so Ron, we talked about an an interesting scenario on the NBA front office channel the other day. And there's a little rumor out there that the Knicks might want to pursue Chris Paul. And obviously, you know, Chris Paul, he's work, working on winning an NBA championship right now. That's that's what he's focused on, right? So there's no – it's not like Chris Paul right now is out there thinking, hey, where's my next move? No, he's locked in on, on winning a championship. But the Knicks, if they're dead set on pursuing him, just walk through this here. The Knicks right now, in terms of the free agent market, they are the team – that every free agent is pointing to, like, hey, the Knicks, have, they've got like $53 million in cap space. Every free agent out there is saying, 
the Knicks have money to spend. Maybe they'll give me that money, right? And they're going to use the Knicks as leverage over any other team that might want to pay them. They're going to say, look, you're not going to leave me a lowball offer. The Knicks have tons of money to spend. Maybe they're going to be the team that pays me. What if Chris Paul wins a championship in Phoenix and then says, you know what? I'm going to go help revitalize New York, right? I know it's a bit far-fetched, but he says, I'm going to revitalize the Knicks and we're going to help them take the next step, right? They're already a good young team. I'm going to help them take the next step, just like I just did with the Phoenix Suns. And he bounces into that New York cap space and eats up one of the main landing spots for point guards in the free agent market. Then what happens to Schroeder? Then what happens to Dinwiddie? I think the whole system goes a little bit chaotic in that scenario because so many of the point guards out there on the market right now are hoping to be the guy that gets that big offer from the yeah, I mean, look, the Knicks, we saw this, uh, I believe it was two off-seasons ago. The Knicks were saving all of the, yeah, it was the Kyrie and KD off-season. They were saving all of the money in the world for those two to, to come in and absorb all their cap space. And when they left, it became <laughs> $60 million to Julius Randle, $10 million to Taj Gibson. Like, they paid all the power forwards in the NBA, like $80 million combined. So you're just waiting. If you're a point guard and you're a free agent, you're saying, man, is this the summer the Knicks spend $60 million on point guards? Because I would like to be there when that happens. So, yeah, if Chris Paul, it, you're right. If Chris Paul does that, it's going to be chaotic. The only thing is, though, right, the Knicks of a year and a half ago, they would totally do that. They would definitely do it. Right? They, it, would just, it would be the most Knicks move ever to go and get a 36-year-old point guard. But the Knicks of the last year have not done that. They haven't, they haven't done very many like Knicksy things. They've been pretty smart about the way they've handled things. So I don't think it's very realistic, but it just, it would be interesting to see the way the market would react in that situation. Um, I've got a few people asking uh, a lot about Dennis Schroeder, a lot about him getting traded. Um, so. People said, oh, here's one from YouTube. Is it possible to get both Spencer Dinwiddie and Buddy Heald? Schroeder sign and trade, Trez opt in and trade Gasol or Shamit also bring back Howard. I don't know if you're going to be able to do all of those things, but Spencer Dinwiddie and Buddy Heald both at the same time. Is that possible? I don't think cap-wise that's going to work out. So, so here's... Here's how you do it. All right, you want to you want to get crazy. Let's let's really dive into this scenario. I think and this was just brought up now so I haven't had a chance to run it through any cap thing whatever. But if you can manufacture a Schroeder and Dinwiddie double sign and trade and their contracts are of equal-ish value, which they probably should be of near value. If you figure that out, maybe Brooklyn either wants Schroeder or they want to ship him off somewhere else for different assets, they could do that. And then the Lakers could turn around and do some sort of Kuzma and KCP package for Buddy Heald. That's how you end up with both of them in a way that I think is legal under the salary cap and under the hard cap. I don't, I mean, yeah, if you can do it that easily, then yeah, do it because that's great. But Spencer Dinwiddie and Buddy Heald, they're they're not similar players, but it does there's something about they're they're both kind of undersized in terms of like they're not guarding bigger wings. Right. They're 
there's a weird basketball fit defensively. Offensively, it's great. Defensively, there's sort of a weird fit there. I don't know if the Lakers would do all of that, even if those options were available. Yeah, agreed. I don't think that it's necessarily something that can work in terms of logistically making all the math work on it. But in terms of on the court, I mean, the offensive end, sure. But defensively, I don't know if I would go there. Uh, Sherpa Dog from YouTube, the Super Chat. Thank you. Uh, do you guys think we can ever win a championship with the rise of young and talented and loaded Brooklyn roster, along with 80s injuries and Braun being old? So are we looking at this Brooklyn Nets roster and just saying, look, if they are healthy, that's it. Game over. Is that the way we, we feel about this this next season? I sure don't. But I know some fans around the NBA look and they say three superstars. Lakers have two. If the Nets are healthy, superstar Matt says they're going to win. I mean, should they be the one of the favorites next year? Absolutely. But they're not like, I feel like we overreacted a lot. You know, the Nets um, in their series against the Bucks, they, they won those first two games really convincingly. Um, without James Harden, they won those first two games. And I feel like the pendulum on like how people felt about the Nets swung to they're the most unbeatable team that's ever existed as long as they're healthy yeah and and I feel like I feel like we need to pull back on that a little bit they're a great team if healthy and they have an opportunity this offseason to to improve themselves and be a really good formidable team next year it's not so much as a guaranteed championship if they're healthy I, I don't believe that and they could win the championship but it's not it's not a guarantee the way it was with the Warriors I mean, look, the the Nets, I believe that the Nets were playing the highest level of basketball we saw this season when they were all healthy in the playoffs, right? When we saw, and it wasn't for long, it was only a few games, they were playing ridiculous basketball. Uh, There was a point where their team was shooting 50, 40, 90. 50% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the field. That was funny. Not a player, a team, the whole team. That was their average. Like, that's ridiculous. They're very, very good. They're very talented. But no, you don't just wave the white flag and say, oh, no, we can just never beat. You know, let's just go home, guys. Forget it. Forget it. Let's not even try. Go home. The Nets are going to be too. No. Look, this is an injury-prone team, first of all. But even if they don't get hurt, that's a team that had some defensive struggles. And there are ways to exploit that. Now, yes, it's possible their offense was just good. And had they stayed healthy, they were going to win the whole thing. Definitely within the realm of possibilities, maybe even likely. But. That doesn't mean that you just say, hey, you know what? Even though we've got LeBron and AD, that's it. There's no shot. No. When you've got LeBron and Anthony Davis, if they're healthy, you have a shot against any team. That's the nice part about having two guys who, when they're at their best, are top five players. Yeah, I mean, I, the, it's, it's going to be very difficult for me to say that the Lakers don't have a chance at winning a championship if they're healthy because LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like you said, they're two top five players when they're at their best. And they're at their best a lot, especially in the playoffs. So I, I just, I'm not going to lose faith because the Nets put together, you know, a really good series against the Boston Celtics who like were terrible. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't really take too much stock into that. But again, the Nets are championship contenders next year, regardless, because they have those three guys. Um, I just don't think it's give them a Larry O'Brien on night one. Ron, I've got a question here here for you. Brian Lee from YouTube is asking if that is an original Blue Home Jerry West jersey in the back. 
Uh, yeah, it, you can't see it, but right here it's signed by Jerry. Um, it's like really thin black ink, but it's signed. Um, yeah, my brother got it. He went on this uh, this memorabilia binge when he was like 15 years old, and this is one of the things he ended up with. So yeah, it is authentic. It is original. It's uh, yeah, it's perfect for this background. <laughs> nice, very nice. All right. Uh, I've got somebody says, please bring back Lonzo Ball. It's going to take a side and trade, and you need the Pelicans to work with the Lakers. So there's That's two pretty pretty big hurdles there, right? I mean, trying to get sign and trade, which means you're triggering the hard cap, all that kind of stuff, plus the Pelicans who, well, a little bit hostile towards the Lakers, or at least their fans are. Um, and they have to then work with the Lakers to negotiate a sign and trade it would be difficult to do, but if there was a way to work it out, yeah, I would, I would love to see that. Basketball wise, Lonzo ball, excellent fit. Um, the way the NBA works, the likelihood of him getting traded to the Lakers is like 0.001%, but I'm, I'm rooting for it. Uh, here's a question. Cecil Jackson from YouTube said, read an article, want to confirm, could the Lakers send an additional second round pick to the Pelicans and ask them to take the deferment off of the 2025 pick. That way the 2026 pick can be traded. Uh, I'm thinking that's probably the Eric Pincus talking about. Uh, yeah, that, that is something you can do. Um, you can change things that are change protections and things like that on picks. So that is possible. It doesn't come up very often. It doesn't happen very often, but uh, sure. If that's, uh, if that's something that the Lakers need to do, it, it could happen. But the thing is with that is you're essentially you're trading a second round pick so that you have the ability to trade another first round pick. They probably don't do that unless there is a team out there that's willing to give you like a star player and it hinges on them getting back that 2026 first round pick. I don't see that happening. So I don't see the Lakers giving up on a second round pick for basically nothing. Um, But it's definitely possible. It's not illegal. It's something that that can be done. Unlike, so I get this question a lot too. Like, can't LeBron just restructure his contract and the- and then save the Lakers some money? That that you cannot do. Can't do that. You can trade the. You can change the terms of a trade of, of pick protections later on through future trades, but you can't ask a player to restructure their contract. The the NBA Players Association would have none of that. Not happening. This is not the NFL. The NFL, you can. You know, a team is $100 million over the cap, and then magically their defensive end restructures his contract and they have $10 million in cap space. Right. None of that in the NBA. <laughs> the NFL's union is not nearly as strong as the NBA. That's why that kind of stuff happens there. It does not happen in the NBA. Uh, and that's also why, you know, the most part, most contracts in the NBA are, are fully guaranteed, not so in the NFL. So major differences in the two leagues, the way they're set up. You know, so I've got a comment here and I kind of wanted to talk about this because we talk about the free agent market and we talk about the different quality of players that are out there. And we talk about how many point guards are on the market. And the guy that gets overlooked the most is probably Mike Conley. And I don't know why, like you could argue he's the best one on the market, but somebody said, I don't want Mike Conley. He's old. I don't like to me if Mike Conley was willing to join the Lakers for whatever reason. I mean, obviously the Jazz want to keep him around, but if you were able to get Mike Conley, I would jump at the opportunity to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason I don't really think about Mike Conley is because I think it's kind of a given he's staying with the Jazz. Um, I just think they like his fit next to Donovan Mitchell. I think he enjoys it there. I, I don't really see a reason that he would leave. Um, especially if they want, you know, that unfinished business mantra for next season. I don't know. But yeah, I don't really see him leaving and I don't really see him coming to the Lakers if he did leave. So that's why I'm like, I, it's not really a huge topic. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's a few people chiming in saying we don't have the money for for that. Yeah. They realistically don't. I'm talking about the scenario where you get Mike Conley decides, you know what? I really want to ring and the Lakers are my best chance to get one right now. Guys, give me your mid-level exception and I'm going to come over. Right? Kind of an end-of-the-career veteran type. I'm thinking thinking back to Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Obviously, that didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But um, that type of move, that's the way that you get a guy like a Mike Conley, which is very, very rare. Almost certainly not going to happen. I think a player that you're way more likely to get on that type of deal where a guy just says, I want to come home. I want to be on, I want to be on the Lakers. And I'm nearing the end of my career, and I want to make it work on a championship team. The guy you're more likely to do that with is Demar Derozan. Yes, yes, He's, and I, I think way more likely to do that. If you had to pick, like the money's equal. Let's let's pretend the money's equal. Mike Conley or Demar Derozan, which have? Mike Conley, but the the gap isn't too big. Um, I really like DeMar DeRozan. I I think, again, he's more likely to do that whole, like, I'll take your mid-level exception just because I want to be in L.A. and I want to contend for a championship. Um, But I I don't – but if, yeah, both were equal, if both were saying, I'll take your mid-level exception, absolutely Mike Conley. Great. I think so. I think he's – well, the three-point shooting makes him a better fit. Because he's got the ability to just basically – that in and of itself. I do like DeMar DeRozan a lot, though, and I'm really curious to see what his free agency looks like. I wonder, I think he's either going to be the kind of guy where some team gives him a one-year offer that's really big, like a $20 million for a year. Somebody's going to offer him that once the free agent market starts to dry up. He'll get something like that, or he's going to sign on with a team that can help him win right now. I think that's that's what we're going to see, and we're going to see him sign on for like a mid-level exception. And that, that you know, DeMar is an L.A. guy, right. lifelong Lakers fan. He needs to maybe rehab his value a little bit, show he can still help compete for a championship, good fit alongside LeBron. I don't know. I really like DeMar DeRozan. I like the idea of him on the Lakers. I don't know if he's willing to stoop that low in terms of his value, but I'd absolutely love it if it happened. Yeah, I think fit-wise, plenty of questions there. Talent-wise, there's not. Very talented player. Jamal Armstrong from YouTube with the Super Chat says he would take Mike Conley. Awesome. Pure point guard, solid three-point shooter. We need both of those things. Um, do the Lakers need a pure point guard? What do you think? I mean, I don't know. Like, they won a championship with LeBron and two 3-and-D guards. So, I don't know that I look at this situation and say you absolutely have to have a pure point guard. I think it helps from a a burden perspective, right? Like, in terms of taking some of the weight off of LeBron, it's a nice thing to have a guy who can set up the offense, but is it a must to have a starting caliber for point guard? So I, I actually look at this from two perspectives. I think, and this is why I'm kind of on the board of like, maybe Dennis Schroeder isn't the best fit moving forward. 
because I'm of the belief that the Lakers need to go one of two routes with the point guard position. They either need to get a, you know, middling bench guy that just runs the offense when LeBron is off the floor, doesn't turn the ball over a lot, you know, the way Rondo did in the playoffs. Um, They either need that type of point guard or they need like a all-star caliber starting quality point guard. When you have guys like Schroeder who are in the middle, who are like, maybe they're starters, maybe they're not, it's going to lead to a lot of, you know, issues over chemistry, issues over playing time, issues over who's in the starting lineup we saw it this year with Schroeder. I don't really like having those guys that are sort of in between. So I feel like the Lakers either need to go all in on a top tier point guard or just settle for a a mid, mid-level guy who just knows his role, he's off the bench, and he covers the non-LeBron minutes. Yeah, that's that's it exactly. And we've talked about that a little bit. And I, I think you need a guy who is going to be willing to come off the bench or start. I don't think you want another guy where it's, hey, if we move you to the bench, it's going to be a problem. That's what we saw a bit with Schroeder. And who knows, maybe Schroeder, that, that may have been, that, that side of Schroeder may have been, it's a contract year. Like that kind of pressure can make a player really push starting. If he gets a four, if he gets a four-year deal with the Lakers, say he signs, I don't know, four years, eighty-four million. Let's say they go back to that offer and he signs it. Is he going to be that determined to make sure he's a starter? I don't know. Maybe that goes away a little bit. I, I really don't know, and that's why it's one of those things where I, I'm wary of it and I'm waiting to see what happens, but. I think it's better to go one of those two routes if you're the Lakers, if you have that ability. So I had a question come in that asked, can the Lakers take Luol Deng's contract and trade that? No, because it was a waived and stretched contract, those contracts are then just dead cap on the books. There's nothing you can do with it. It's going to sit there. It has one more year. I know it's frustrating seeing $5 million that the Lakers can't access. That's the rule. Unfortunately, that cannot be traded. Luol Dang will be a Laker forever. <laughs> uh, Sherpa Dog from YouTube with a super chat said, do you guys see Kyle Lowry or PJ Tucker as an option through free agency or some sign and trade? I think we need an ex- excellent defender like Tucker. Uh, I, I mean, Lowry would be fantastic. PJ Tucker is interesting. He's shown a little bit more. There was some, there was some concern that maybe, okay, he's getting up there in years. Maybe he's just done right when he was with Houston. Uh, and he looks like he's got some life in him now with the Milwaukee Bucks. Is is that a guy you would target? I know we would target Kyle Lowry if that was possible to get him. But what about P.J. Tucker? You know, uh, he's a good fit. I, I don't want to take away from his, his, his fit with the team. I think he would work well. I, I question after a year in which you were battered with injury – uh, I question going after a guy who essentially didn't play a minute of good basketball the entire regular season. I, I get you you build your team for the playoffs, but there there's some there's something to be said about you need to remain competitive in the regular season if things go south injury wise. And PJ Tucker is not really a guy that does that for you. And I just paying a guy, he's probably gonna garner something around the mid-level exception. He's not gonna be a vet men guy. He's probably going to be around the mid-level exception. If he's at that price, I don't know if I'm the Lakers if I give out my whole mid-level exception for a guy who probably won't give you impactful minutes until April, May. The thing with the 
Jay Tucker, right? The drop off is coming. I mean, Father Time's undefeated. We've heard it tons of times in Ron James. So you know the drop off is coming, and you also know how much three and D wing players cost because they're in such high demand. Conversely, centers, true backup centers like back to the basket traditional centers are extremely cheap, relatively right compared to NBA prices. So if you're going to go out and you're going to spend money on a 3 and D wing, you probably don't want it to be on a guy who most likely you've only got one year left with him. You get one year and then he's probably done if he's not done after this season. So that's the the challenge for me with PJ Tucker is that you're going to have to spend big money on him. And at best you get him for a year and who knows when he's going to start breaking down. That's pretty risky in my opinion. Okay. Maybe he plays more than a year. Vince Carter, you know, he seemed to, break all the rules forever, but I just don't see it. I I like him. If he said, hey, veteran minimum, absolutely. Come on over. But mid-level exception, trigger the hard cap for him. I, I'm, not, I'm not here for that. Yeah, honestly, with almost every guy we talk about, if, if a veteran minimum is in play, great. I'll give out my veteran minimums to, to anybody who wants them yep. and, and can it impact basketball. But if you're you only have a certain number to spend with that mid-level exception – do you want it all to go on a 36-year-old, I believe, who has not really shown that he can impact winning basketball for more than like three weeks at a time in a couple of years now? I, I don't know. So Chris Miller from YouTube, Super Chat, said, could this trade work? Kuzma, KCP, and Schroeder for Zach Levine and then sign back Rondo, Dwight Howard, McGee, or Ariza? Well, forgetting about the Rondo, Howard, McGee, Ariza part, like, those are all probably veteran minimum guys at this point. I think Rondo's got a second year on his deal. But other than that, veteran minimum guys, okay, that's fine. I, I think you're actually sending out too much salary there. Off the top of my head, I think Zach Levine's next deal is right around, or next year is at right around 20 million. ACP and Kuzma alone is 26. Then you throw in a sign and trade Dennis Schroeder. I know in our minds, we tend to think value-wise would that work. You're actually sending too much salary to where the Lakers would have to bring something back. Um Beside that, I don't see, unless, here's the scenario that would have to play out in order for the Bulls to move uh, move on from Levine. Levine would have to tell them, I am not signing an extension with you this offseason. Next summer, when I'm a free agent, I am leaving and I'm going to the Lakers. And he would have to make that clear to everybody around the NBA who would basically have to pull in Anthony Davis in order to get that done. Then maybe the Bulls start looking at trade offers. But so far, the Bulls have tried to show Zach Levine that they are going to put in the work. They're going to spend what it takes in order to win right now. That's why they went out and got Nikola Vuk, right? They're trying to make a push right now. So I don't think it's very realistic. But that said, my goodness. I mean, LeBron James running the brick, throwing lobs to Zach Levine. Yes, please. Right? I mean, that would be fantastic. Yeah, actually, I looked it up for you, Trevor. Uh, Zach Levine next year, this is this is a top 10 bargain contract in the NBA. Zach Levine's going to make 19 million next year. 19.5. Um, that's, that's it. It's not remar- even a $20 million deal. My goodness. Remarkable value for a player of Zach Levine's talent. He's obviously a perfect fit on the Lakers in, in almost every way imaginable. Defensively, you know, you figure that out because it's Zach Levine. The likelihood that they trade him is zero. Just because they they gave out two first round picks, I actually it might have been three. It was two or three. Two. Well, I'd have to go back and look. But anyway, yeah. they, so they more, paid they paid a lot. 
Yeah, for an all-star center to pair with Zach Levine. They, they're they not moving on from that, again, unless Levine pulls an Anthony Davis. And I don't see really why he would at this point. They have not had even... They haven't even had half a season to try and see what they can do with Levine, Vucevic, and whatever moves they make this offseason. I actually think the Bulls are going to give it a real try, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's what it is. The Bulls are going to make a push. And they're doing this in part because they know the clock is ticking with Zach Levine, and they have to show him that they're going to win. I think he's going to give them the opportunity to do that. I've got Dre Johnson from YouTube with the Super Chat. Said, what are your thoughts on the Lakers having talks with Scott Brooks, and do you think the Lakers are are going to catch Westbrook's eye. Is that why they're doing this? Um, So let's start with the first part of that, Ron. The Lakers reportedly interviewing Scott Brooks for an assistant coach position. It's a little odd, right? Because Jason Kidd goes out, right? And the Lakers have already replaced him. And so why why would you go talking to Scott Brooks now to add him, the, the assistant coach I guess. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because when I first read the report, I said, wait, we already got David Fisdale. Like, we're done. That's that's assistant coaches. We have 12. That's how it works. Um, I, I think my best theory is that the Lakers are anticipating losing some of their assistants, either to Jason Kidd or to other, you know, there's going to be seven new head coaches around the NBA this next season. Um, I, I, and I think the Lakers are anticipating that they're going to lose some of those guys and they're just like getting ahead of it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's gotta be the only reason to interview Scott Brooks. I, I like Scott Brooks, great assistant. I like the idea that the Lakers are going with, which is surround Frank Vogel with as many head coaches as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, I really like that, but yeah, I think the only way, the only reason they're doing it is they have to be anticipating losses in their staff. I think that's what it is too. And that that's what I, the conclusion I reached was that there have been rumors that Jason Kidd, Hey, as he's filling out his own coaching staff, he's going to take some of the Lakers other assistants with him. Vanderbilt. So that's where Scott Brooks would make sense. And I think it is interesting, right? This is so with Luke Walton, when he was the coach, the Lakers said, pick your coaching staff, right? More or less, right? More or less. They just said, pick your coaching staff. And they weren't too thrilled with the assistant coaches that, in. Not saying they were bad coaches, but they just didn't feel like there was enough experience there. Now with Frank Vogel, the Lakers went the other way. They said, look, we are going to load this bench with experience. Lionel Hollins, come on down. Jason Kidd, come on down. We're going to find people specifically that have been head coaches. And from one viewpoint, if you look at that, you say, that's going to make the coach feel a little bit uncomfortable because the team is stocking the bench with his replacements, right? With play, With people who could easily step in and take his job should things not go perfect, right? But the other side of it is Frank Vogel now has won an NBA championship, and you are making sure that your coach is being supported by the best minds in basketball. And I think that is the way to look at this, rather than the Lakers are already trying to find a replacement for Frank Vogel and just putting him on the bench right now. Because, again, that was the assumption with Jason Kidd. Remember, that was the bet people were talking about. Hey, what's the over-under on how many months before Jason Kidd takes over the head coach job in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I'm very glad that didn't happen. (laughs) All respect to Jason Kidd. I'm sure he'll do okay in Dallas. I don't necessarily think he's that good of a head coach. Um, I think Frank Vogel is much, much better, and I think the Lakers realized that very, very quickly. He's a very good head coach. 
and he's going to be the guy for a very long time in L.A. So it's just about getting him support. So if Scott Brooks and David Fisdale and Lyle Hollins, like, if it's all of them, then so be it. Yeah, I agree. About, do, about getting the best minds on the bench that you can. And I think the Lakers have done a good job of that. Uh, Jamal Armstrong from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, are there under, any underrated surprise signings you think the Lakers might make this offseason? Appreciate the show. Thanks, gentlemen. Uh, I've got one. Ron, do you have anybody off the top of your head? Like a surprise, surprise signing? signing? I mean, look, I, I, I've, been, I've been on the train that DeMar DeRozan is the surprise. Like, if the Lakers are going to shock the world and get someone, I think that someone is DeMar DeRozan. I don't, I don't have any other names in mind. Just because with the free agent class being the way it is this year, I don't see a lot of names that I would look at and be like, wow, that's shocking that that happened. Um, DeMar DeRozan is that guy for me. I've got one that I want to throw out there. Sure. And you know how sometimes teams will go out and sign the guys that tend to just kill them every season and to light them up? Sure. So I look at the Lakers center situation, and you've got Marcus Gasol could retire. Andre Drummond, he gets more money elsewhere. He's probably gone. Andres Harrell, probably not super excited about maybe returning to the Lakers. But let me throw a name out there that's that's on the free agent list right now. Elio Lenick. <laughs> and hear me out here. The Lakers, <laughs> if if you can now, I don't know how much money he's going to command on the market. He might command more than the than a veteran minimum. Probably will. So that's where this is a little bit far fetched. But if you're the Lakers and you land a traditional big, maybe you go back to Dwight Howard. Wouldn't it make some sense to find a floor spacing big as well to use? And Kelly Olenek is one of the better three point shooting bigs in the NBA. And then you also have Anthony Davis as another guy that can protect the rim. So in terms of giving Frank Vogel different options to turn to kind of works in that regard. I know you're not a big Kelly Olenek fan, which is part of the reason why it's so fun to say it. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone who is a Kelly Olenek fan? Like on earth, just like his own family. Does his, anyone his mother like probably is right? Like his family, I'm sure is. I don't know. He's kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Look, basketball wise, you're right. It's not the worst fit in the world. The idea of Kelly Olenek wearing purple and gold, it feels wrong. It feels like every type of incorrect. But if they did it, I, I would I would figure out a way in my mind. I would watch some highlight tapes, and I would find a way <laughs> to support it. But I'm not too happy. <laughs> Most of the chat agrees with you, Ron. Most of the chat is saying, this is awful. I'm seeing a lot of puke emojis. Right now yeah. as well. So that's how I'm feeling. That's what's going through my head too. I understand. I'm saying what I'm saying that would be a signing where we would go, what? Like where where did this come from? Right? And that's just what I'd throw out there. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I can't believe that's even a name you looked at. <laughs> well, but okay, because we were going over it on the front office show today, we were going over the free agent center market, and he's just there's not many three point shooting bigs out there. And that's part of it, too. There's like Daniel Tice, who probably gets a decent amount of money. Kelly Olenek is one of the very few guys out there. There's plenty of traditional bigs out there. You know, you've got Alex Len and, uh, and Cody Zeller and Dwight Howard, right? There's, there's a lot of those guys out there. Where if you miss on one, like say Cody Zeller gets a little bit more money than you could offer. Oh, bummer. Okay, go to the next guy on the list. There's tons of them out there. Not a big deal. 
But in terms of three-point shooting bigs, there's not that many. And so that was why that was kind of in my head. I think he's actually a pretty decent player. He has lit up the Lakers in the past. Defensively, sure, he's got some issues. I was just thinking in terms of change of pace type player, somebody that you can throw out there to throw a different look at team. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, if Marcus is out the door and and a lot of center options fall through, again, I would find a way to like bring myself to support it. But I think it would be one of the weirdest, like, it was like the first time I saw Rajon Rondo in a Lakers uniform. Like, the first game I watched him play, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. I can't get behind this. <laughs> I understand that. I can, I can get that. Um, let's talk about the draft a little bit. I know everybody's into free agency and trades right now, but the Lakers do have the 22nd pick in the NBA draft. That's coming up in just a few weeks. We're starting to see a lot of names get associated with the Lakers. But, Ron, you and I were talking about this earlier today. The Lakers somehow, some way, like if you go and you look at every mock draft out there, it feels like just about every player gets mocked to every single team. It's kind of like, like fantasy football. If you read enough fantasy football articles, you will find an article that is high on every single player and is down on every single player, right? That's just, it's just the way it is, right? You'll find articles saying AJ Brown is going to be the next great wide receiver he's going to be the wide receiver one this year and you'll find other ones saying oh no no julio jones has taken away too many of his targets it's not going to work right like you can find differing opinions like that it's kind of like that with the nba draft where it feels like every single player you're going to find mocked somewhere is going to the lakers within reason and yet every year the lakers find a way to draft somebody that nobody was expecting is that what we're going to see again? This like kind of out of the blue Lakers draft pick that catches us all by surprise. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's one of, at this point based on the history of the last let's say seven years of Lakers draft decisions. It's either going to be some dude that we're not thinking about at all that probably was mocked somewhere in like the thirty to forty range, and the Lakers reach a little bit, but it works. It's going to be one of those. Or they're going to trade the pick, and we won't even have to talk about it. We'll see. I don't know, but that's that's just where I'm thinking. If you had to, if you had to put down money, are they trading the pick or are they keeping? And I know that's without knowing the offers that are out there, that's impossible. Just mentality. What do you think their mentality is? Do you think they would I'm, lean more towards keeping it or towards? I think they are leaning towards keeping it, if I had to guess, only because they're an older-ish team. I mean, LeBron James is older. You Like, you are an older-ish team. You have a lot of money on your, on your books for the next two, three years. Getting talented players under team control on small contracts for four years is a really positive thing if you're trying to, like, figure out how to move into the future of your franchise. And the Lakers have so few picks over the next five years that this this kind of is a good opportunity to say, hey, let's get a young guy, talented, we'll have him under team control, and if we need to trade him later, we will. I agree. I think that if you're going to move the pick, you move it for a guy who fits Anthony Davis's timeline. So that's where you move it for a guy who's like late. So you can say, okay, we can at least we can have this guy for another four or five years. Right? If yeah. you're going to give up the opportunity to get a guy who's a rookie, and you could say, look, a rookie is not going to be able to help you right now. You, at least if you're going to move that pick and you're going to sacrifice even more of your future, you're going to say, look, I'm going to get a guy who at least is going to be here for a little bit. You're not 
you're not going to go in and spend your first 22nd overall to bring in uh, to like grease the wheels and a sign and trade for say PGA Tucker, who we talked about before, right? You're not going to do that. You're going to want to find a guy who can fit long term if you're going to give up one of your only long term assets. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did last year. You know, they traded a first round pick because they were getting Dennis Schroeder, who they believed fit Anthony Davis's timeline. Again, remains to be seen what's going on with him. Remains one of the most fascinating free agencies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, see what happens there again. He was at the facility wearing Lakers gear. <laughs> mean anything? They always are. They are. I don't know. Stop hating on P.J. Tucker. He's a lockdown defender. Look, P.J. Tucker has been great for the Bucks. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying you're not going to trade a long-term asset for a guy who's probably done after a year. I like P.J. Yeah. Tucker. Yeah, P.J. Tucker I, was great in Houston. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's do one more. One more, and then uh, we'll call it an evening here. Uh, Sherpa Dog with another comment here from YouTube. The Super Chat, thank you very much, said Reggie Jackson, mid-level exception option, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, look, if you had if you had to choose between a mid-level exception deal, which is nine-plus million dollars starting, or giving Dennis Schroeder 20, I would say I'd rather give Reggie Jackson nine million. But the challenge is if you use that mid-level exception – you're triggering the hard cap and that can make it tougher to fill out the rest of your roster. Particularly when you're looking at guys like, Hey, Alex Caruso needs a new contract. Taylor Horton Tucker needs a new contract. There's a lot of other dominoes uh, at, at stake here. So that's my only issue there. But I also think we have to keep in mind that what we saw out of Reggie Jackson in the playoffs, a pretty small sample size is not him, right? That's not, he's not just suddenly this 41% dead eye three point shooter. There's going to be a regression can still be a good player, but I think we would just have to be aware that he's not going to stay that hot forever. Yeah, honestly, one of my predictions that I'm most confident about in this upcoming offseason is whoever pays Reggie Jackson overpaid him. Even if it was a mid-level exception deal? I, I don't – I can't imagine he – I think he's going to get more than that. I he, No, I agree too. And that's, that's my one – that's why I'm saying this because I, I agree with you, Ron. I think – that some team's going to give him like a million. I think it's going to wind up being an over. Oh, God. <laughs> it just sounds horrible. Yeah, look, if Reggie Jackson is on a mid level exception, then that's not an overpay. No. But at the same time, uh, this is what I keep going back to is what players are you willing to trigger the hard cap for? If you're triggering the hard cap for Reggie Jackson, like, eh, that, that doesn't feel great for me. Like, I don't feel good about the direction of the team if they're hard capping themselves so that they can have Reggie Jackson. Like, at least last season, they they hard capped themselves because they were taking a gamble on Wesley Matthews and Montrezl Harrell. They did both. They said, we're going to take a gamble on on these two guys working with LeBron and AD. That's worth it. Reggie Jackson hard capping yourself just for him based on – essentially three weeks of good basketball and like five years of bad basketball before it. Um, it, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, I would be hesitant. Well, I think it's a good value at the mid-level exception, but I would certainly be hesitant to do that. I would have to know for sure. Like, okay, Hey, we've got Caruso back. 
We've got Taylor Horton Tucker back, and we still have enough room to where the hard cap isn't going to be a problem. If you yeah, can I- figure out that scenario, okay. But otherwise, I don't. And and you have to remember too, like if you allocate the entire mid level towards Reggie Jackson, that means you're limited towards better to better in minimums the whole rest of the roster. Yeah, and I actually I want to I want to make sure of something. So Reggie Jackson this regular season shot forty three percent from three, and this playoffs he shot forty one. So he was a better three point shooter during the regular season than I had him down as. But before that. <laughs> Before yeah, the 2021 season, this is the butt. He never, he never shot better than he shot 39.3% one time. Every other season was below 36. So, it's been a really hot shooting. He just he just had a great season. And another thing about Reggie Jackson, he's 31. That's not great. Like I, ugh, I don't like it. You know, I just realized that one of our super chats asked the question about Scott Brooks that we never got back to. And I agree with you on Jackson, but asked the question, is this a step towards bringing in Russell Westbrook? I've seen a lot of people say that. Let's finish with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're in agreement on this. Russell Westbrook is like impossible to trade for because he makes 40 something million dollars and like the Lakers have to give up their whole roster, and I, I don't give up my whole roster for Russell Westbrook. He's he's good. He's a great player. He's an awkward fit alongside LeBron. He's past his – I mean, he's still a very good player. I, I don't want to misconstrue it here. He's a very good player, but he's past his prime at this point. Like, it's not getting better from here, and he's very expensive, and it's just a lot of things against, and I don't see a lot of positives that come out of it. Talented player, you could hand him the ball and say go on the offensive end when LeBron James is out. But I mean, forty-four million, I believe, is his contract. Mm. Like getting there is really, really, really talking about probably a sign and trade with Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, KCP gone. I just, I don't think, I don't. He's not the kind of guy that you move heaven and earth to get anymore. Not anymore. Five years ago, absolutely. Right now. And then you add on top of the fact that the Lakers, their their biggest weakness this last season, aside from the injury bug, was point shooting. He doesn't address that at all. In fact, he makes that worse. It's hard to see. Yeah, I I, I, lo- I like Russell Westbrook as as a player. I want to see him succeed. It just it just doesn't make sense. Agreed. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. Remember, we do this every Monday and Thursday night, 9 o'clock Pacific time, all through the offseason. We'll do some other live streams as we get closer to, say, the NBA draft and news starts breaking and everything else. But make sure you do uh, subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel so you stay up to date on everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. And also the other channel that we started up, the NBA Front Office channel, which covers the entire NBA. Keith Smith and I break things down from a salary cap perspective over there, so make sure you check that out as well. Till next time, everybody. Yeah. And stay safe.